We're continuing on in our journey through the book of James. Okay, I'll give you a minute. I'm going to have a bottle. Uh, continuing on in our, our, our book, book of James, um, this week, I know every week I, I like make you think about something else that you think has nothing to do with James, but this one is going to take the cake. Okay. Uh, cause this week I, I was living my life and, uh, was really upset cause on Thursday afternoon I had still not really written my sermon. And then, um, and then this passage made me think of Star Wars. Um, and I was like, boom, there it is. Um, <clears throat> I'm not joking. Like, that is exactly what happened to me. Uh, so I love Star Wars a lot. And I, uh, like, that was my, my, my coveted Christmas present was the, the original trilogy. And, uh, and also my son can tell you more about Star Wars than most people who have actually seen the movies. (laughs) And, uh, the, uh, so for Christmas, we got, we got him a book, uh, called five minute Star Wars bedtime stories. Right. And it's like the, the kitty friendly version of Star Wars. And it starts all the way in the very, very beginning of the whole saga. So they're like seven movies now. So it starts with like movie number one, and it moves all the way to the to the um, current current iteration of Star Wars, and uh, and so I'm reading that with him right around Christmas time, and and I get to the point where it should be like the climax of the whole saga, right? And the book skips it. <laughs> it skips the like turning point, the essential moment. In all of Star Wars, it's not in the book. It's not there. And I, like, I'm reading him to him so that he'll go to sleep, and I'm, like, visibly angry with him on my lap, and we're rocking in this rocking chair. Uh, because if you take out the ending, you change the whole story, right? Uh, if you forget the ending, uh, then you, you lose the essence of Star Wars, right? So if you take out the ending of Star Wars, for those, spoiler alert, Although it's been out since like 80 something, right? So it's your fault if you don't know by now. <clears throat> the, uh, so the ending of Star Wars is uh, Darth Vader, who's Luke Skywalker's dad. Uh, see, <laughs> now see, that one was in 1981. So that's really, I'm definitely excused from telling you that. Um, you're just lucky I don't do my Darth Vader impression. Um, I know. Now everyone wants me to do that. Uh, not happening. And then, uh, so Luke's Darth Vader is obviously a bad guy, and Luke is obviously a good guy. And the ending of the story is that Luke is convinced that his dad is not all bad, and he's going to do whatever it takes to face his dad, but not with the purpose of defeating his dad, like his mentors want him to. Yoda and Obi Wan want him to, to beat his dad. But Luke is convinced that there's still some good in him. And so he's going to face him so that he can redeem him. Right? So there's this redemption scene here. They're fighting with their lightsabers. Luke gets really angry and then he realizes how angry he is. And he throws his lightsaber aside and he looks at the evil emperor and he says, You've lost because I'm not, I'm not going to fight anymore. Right? And in this, in this sequence, 
you see the good inside his father, Darth Vader, come back. And he changes. And so if you take all that out, you are left with a whole different story. right? You're left with a story that glorifies just kind of war. You're left with a story um, of good versus evil, but where good hates evil as much as evil hates good. You're left with a story that's about how great Luke Skywalker is, which is fine, a fine story. But the essence, the thing that brings all three of the, of the original movies together and in, should, have brought, <laughs> should have brought the other ones together in the early 2000s, uh, was this theme that this bad guy can be turned back. It was a story of redemption. Right? So that's why a lot of Christians are still drawn to this, this thing, because it seems like a wonderful um, allegory for the cross and redemption. But I didn't want my son to grow up thinking that Star Wars wasn't, wasn't about redemption. I, don't, I didn't want to tell him that story, because that messes it up. And I could see it as we would read. I could see that, that the thing that he was drawn to was was just the battle, right? Not the purpose of the battle. And I didn't want him to just think that good guys are just supposed to hate bad guys. Because if you take out the ending, you lose that essence of it. So um, this passage in James starts out with <clears throat> this thing that, that they're doing wrong, right? They've a poor person comes into their their congregation and and they dishonor that poor person, and then the uh, a, a rich person comes in and then they say, "Here, sit in a seat of honor." Right, and that in and of itself could be a wonderful sermon. But you'll notice that in James's letter, that is attached to this lesson about judgment and mercy. Right, they go together somehow. What he says is, "You've forgotten mercy." The reason you're making distinctions is that you've forgotten the point. You've forgotten how the story ends. The reason you're, you're able to get this messed up is because you've lost the end of the story. Where mercy triumphs over judgment. So you live in a world where you think you can still judge. Because the end of the story is really crucial when we come together. The end of the story can't be lost. Now I understand why Disney did that in that book because like Darth Vader has his um, arm cut off and like there's lightning and you, he tosses Emperor Palpatine into like this big thing that blows up. I was like, I get it. Like you didn't you didn't want me to read that to my four three year old. I understand. So I just made a kitty friendly version of it. Um, and uh, <clears throat> but I had to tell it to him because you you can't. I didn't want that lesson to be lost. I didn't want that lesson to be lost. I didn't want the essence of my one of my favorite stories to be lost. And if I'm that committed to my kid learning Star Wars, think of how committed I'm going to be to you. <laughs> that we have to remember how the story ends. What happens when you forget how the story ends? is you start doing some, some bad things. The, uh, the, let me give you kind of the image of this, right? So salvation, 
we, we've got this world of judgment. We live in this world of judgment where um, if you go out in the world and you're not a part of the church, uh, people are going to judge you based of all, off of all kinds of superficial things. They're going to ba- judge you based off of things that uh, you might think are, are perfectly legitimate. I don't know. But um, I used this example a couple of years ago, uh, but I didn't, back when I knew who was a famous like Blazers player, but now they've like traded them all away. So who's like, well, they left like one guy that now is like their franchise player. What's his name? Damian Lillard. Okay, yeah. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> they, uh, so imagine, imagine we weren't in church. Imagine you were, um, I don't know, at like Fred Meyer or something, and, and Damian Lillard came into the room, right? There would instantly be judgments that would happen in that room. Does anybody disagree with that? Instantly someone would judge, this is special that this guy is here. Because in the world, we'll judge people in a bad way, but we also are taught to judge them in good ways too. There are these distinctions that are made, and they're made in all kinds of ways. All kinds of ways. They are, are um, super prevalent. Uh, some of you may remember that right after 9-11, uh, there was a, uh, this guy that, that had a, uh, he was a, a Christian from the Middle East, but he, he had a turban because that's like a cultural thing, right? And somebody shot him because they thought that he was a Muslim. It's like L.A. or something like that. Because there was like this fear because it's going to go out in the world. I'm going to see this. I'm scared. I've got this judgmental kind of attitude of what I'm going to look at. I'm going to make this judgment about this person based off of this thing. And it cost this guy his life and he wasn't even what they thought they were. Right? That's like super drastic. But don't we do that in all kinds of ways? Small, little, big, not big, just everywhere. The world is a world of judgment. I think it's really interesting that um, <clears throat> what, was, what was the tree that Adam and Eve ate from? Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Isn't that fascinating? Why didn't God want them to eat that one? Doesn't that seem like a really legitimate thing to have them not have them have knowledge of? <laughs> um, I've always wondered about that. Like, because what we do now is we take that to the max. We act like we're the gods of, of that, right? What, I mean, um, if you go on Facebook and uh, you, you spout off your political opinion, like the rest of the world will be the gods of the knowledge of good and evil and tell you whether your, your thing is good or whether it's evil, <laughs> right? Um, and, and that's like just rolling. I mean, it's like a snowball rolling downhill right now. Um, and so we make all kinds of judgments in the world, all kinds of judgments. <clears throat> then we, we, we put our faith in Jesus. And, and Paul talks about us when we put our faith in Jesus, that we are then put into Christ Jesus. We often, I've, I've talked about this before, we often explain it and we talk about it as Jesus living inside me. That's true. That's not untrue. But the bigger picture and the thing that Paul loves to say all the time is actually now I'm in Christ Jesus. I don't. I live in a different world, even though I'm here. I live in a different world. I am not going to live as if the rules of the other world apply to me anymore. Now I live in Jesus's world. Now I live under His guidance. I live under His teaching. I live under His love. I live under His um, 
his laws. And the thing that, that James pulls out of that is, is that at the center of that, for me, is mercy. And why is that at the center of it? Because I don't belong in this world that I've been given a chance to live in. I don't, I don't belong in Jesus' world. If all the judgments were right, I should stay out. <laughs> it's mercy that allows me to be there. And so at the very heart of entering into faith is the belief that I don't deserve it. The belief that I don't deserve to be here. And the hope that that doesn't matter. That in the end, for me, because I put my faith in Jesus, because I live in him, mercy will triumph over judgment. And so we are, are, you'll notice that I put little, like, it's not a solid line, right? I've met people who think it's a solid line. Like, they're like, oh, I just can't sin. In fact, I remember this one time I was in, uh, I was in high school and my girlfriend had gone to um, the 4-H fair. And at the 4-H fair, my hometown, they had this big expo. And there was this church from another town that came and rented a box like a thing in the a cubicle in the expo. And there was this pastor who would like give people this spiritual quiz, right? And if, if they got any of the things wrong, then he'd tell them that you're going to hell. And it was basically like, have you ever sinned? <laughs> didn't, faith didn't matter, right? He was like, he was like no, if you've sinned, then, uh, then you, you're going to hell. And so she called me crying that night. And so the next day her and I both went, this is a really funny story, um, and uh, he, uh, he got to the end of, of my list, and he's like, oh, you're not that bad, I guess. And she was so mad at me. But I was like, wait, no, because his, his like, quiz is uh, designed to benefit me and him, right? Like, people who pray and people who do these things. Like, but that doesn't mean I'm not a sinner. Um, so anyway, the idea being... That we're tempted by this. Let's just let the world of judgment invade the world of the church. And so it's not a solid line, right? You're in here and you've brought everything that you are into this room. I think, probably, <laughs> right? You're, you're, you know, you're going to sing a song and, and there's going to be a line in that song that maybe makes you angry because it makes you think about something else that then makes you have some bad thought about Tim because he picked the song and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and that sin then, right? Like, and so you brought the world of judgment into this place because you're going to judge Tim because of the song he picked. And, uh, and I don't know, not that that ever happens. I'm sure that we are just the holiest church and we've, none of you have ever thought a bad thought about Tim or me or anybody else who's up here leading, uh, just your, your wonderful spiritual people. Um, <laughs> But I'm guessing, I'm guessing that it's a dotted line, right? I'm guessing that it is inevitable that you're going to bring some of that stuff here. So James is highlighting that and James is saying, yes, you've brought some of this stuff into, into this world. There's the, we've been talking about, there are these two paths. You've brought the path of judgment into the world where, where we're going to make, uh, we're going to play favorites. 
No church has ever done that in the last 2,000 years, <laughs> right? Nobody has a problem with that one. Um, and he's like, you've made distinctions among yourself, right? So much of Paul's letters are about how because of faith and because of what Christ has done, Christ has been our peace, and he has brought this peace between Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male and female, all of these common distinctions that come because of judgment within the other world. You've brought all that in. You've brought this world of judgment, and it's led you to dishonor people who are poor because you've forgotten the end of the story. You've forgotten that in the end of the story, the mercy will be given to the people that you've judged if they put their faith in Jesus. And you don't have one single word to say about it. Right? Because if you live as if the end of the story is that you're the judge, that you get to take that, that world of judgment and bring it in here. Again, and it can look like when we hear the word judge, we think of like, Sending somebody to hell or not hell. But obviously James doesn't think that's totally the, the, the answer for what the word means. So we can, we can bring in all kinds of degrees of judgment. One of the, one of the um, things that I find, I should have looked it up, but it's popping into my head right now, so it's not my fault. <laughs> it is, because I'm going to say it, but you know what I mean. Um, like in, in Acts, several different places... Um, the apostles talk about how judgment's been given to the Son and only to the Son. So when we forget the end of the story, it causes us to dishonor people based upon our judgment. Because we forget that the end of the story is Jesus sitting on the throne and giving mercy to those he wants to give mercy to. Because it's so tempting. It's especially tempting to do it to someone who speaks, right? I feel, I feel especially lucky with the grace that you've given to me. I have for a long time thought it's because I'm so young. But the more I see gray hair in my, in my, um, in my mirror reflection, the more I think, oh, they're going to stop being gracious to me. I'm going to start looking like I should know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> the, uh, <clears throat> anyway, the... Um, It's especially tempting to bring that world into here, to look at people um, and to, to make a classification of this is the kind of Christian that that person is. And again, it doesn't have to be poor and rich. Right? Part of his point is you look at poor, the poor people and you dishonor them. But then I can show you like being rich isn't just some good thing. Rich people drag people into court just because they can. Rich people oppress people. Rich people do all sorts of sinful things. So your, your judgment is super flawed, which is part of the reason that the end of the story is really important. Because you're, thankfully, I am so glad that at the end of time, I will not stand before any of you. Because as much as I love you, you're all flawed and you might get it wrong. <laughs> right? Good for me if you get it wrong and you send me to heaven. Not so much on the other hand, right? And so I am incredibly thankful that my hope is in that someone who is perfect and worthy and who has conquered death will be the one who sits on the throne in the end. And I want to live like his mercy is dominant in our lives. I want to make one, uh, I want to make one more kind of point 
um, that I think is I, I came across is just really cool. I just love this line, mercy triumphs over judgment. And I looked up that word triumph, and it's it's this powerful word. It's just I'm it's intense. It's uh all right, kata kau kau mai. If I just say it really fast, you won't know the difference. Um, and it means to boast against. And then there's this really beautiful description of to stand over victoriously and gloat, which made me think of this picture. This, this is katakalkamai, right? Um, that in the end, it won't be just that, that uh, it won't just be that we get mercy. But the end of the story is that mercy stands with its foot on judgment and gloats over it. And that's amazing. That what what maybe I deserve, Christ's mercy is so powerful over that, it will defiantly, dominantly, destructively win. And so we have to be the people who never forget that ending of the story. That we never forget that Jesus was resurrected, which makes him more powerful than our sin. And we never forget that we have the hope that he will be the one on the throne and that when we put our faith in him and when others put their faith in him, regardless of any distinction we would like to make, he will triumphantly proclaim his mercy over who he wishes to claim his mercy over. And I do not have a say in it. We have to be those people. We have to be the people who maintain the ending of the story or else the story gets warped and we can just be whoever we want to be. And I don't, th- I don't think there's any passage in any of the Bible where God's like, yeah, you do what you want, <laughs> Right? Typically, there are instructions. Typically, there's some kind of standard by which he would like us to live. And so let's be the people that allow the Holy Spirit to remind us ever and always, this is how the story ends. This is the kind of people you are. This is the world into which you have been saved and empowered to live. The world where mercy stands triumphantly over judgment. Um, we are gonna we're gonna take communion this morning, <clears throat> and as you as we as you come and and as you kind of prepare your hearts, I I want you to be thinking, think about how the story ended, right? How because there's two stories. There's a story that already ended with death and resurrection. Think about the power that defeats death. Think about the love that takes our sins upon itself. Think about who Christ was. And celebrate too. Celebrate that. Remember it. Put it back together in your mind and in your heart. Make it true. Ask God to convict you of its realness. And along with that, remember too. Remember too about how it ends. There may be somebody in this room. I don't think so. I think I know you all pretty well and I I doubt this. But it's possible because I know it's true. It's been true in other churches. There may be somebody in this room who you'd really prefer not to see in eternity. 
Well, before you come and take this meal, remember that's not how the story ends. You don't get to decide. You don't get to decide. We all put faith in the judgment of one, and we all put hope in that that faith will lead to mercy standing triumphantly over the judgment we deserve and over the judgment we think somebody else deserves. And so I ask you to, to reflect, to spend some time praying, and then to come, to come and to celebrate the way the story ended and the way we hope and have faith in the story ending.